One of the uh, most interesting developments of late is this uprising that appears to be happening in Cuba right now. And, and I bring it up not just because it's a current event. I mean, technically speaking, it's a current event, right? Um, but it's emblematic, as, as I like to bring up things that are emblematic. And it just so happens to be that it's happening these days. And you see the throngs of people on the streets. It seems to be pretty overwhelming in terms of the, the sheer mass of people. And I'm really impressed with it, and I'm really hopeful that something great can come out of this. But, you know, keeping in mind, of course, that democracy is very hard to establish, right? We, we were thrilled with the uprising that appeared to happen in the collapse of the Soviet Union, right? With Russia, it's now going to be democracy and such. Well, not so much, right? It's, uh, it became a, uh, I, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Uh, an open dictatorship, not quite like uh, North Korea, but it's still an open dictatorship. And what might happen in Cuba, I guess we'll wait for that. But that's not really the subject of today. Um, I'm more interested in the meaning of this and how the Biden administration, the Biden asterisk administration in particular, how it has responded to all of this. And you, you see the first thing that, what's her name, Jen Psaki, uh, she says that, these people are responding to the difficulties because of COVID and the uh, difficulties in getting medical supplies and treatment and, and cures, and that's the reason why they're out there. Well, that, she basically blamed Trump. Right. So, yeah, so, so she um, was basically pushing it off for some reason, and we'll get to that in a moment. But COVID was the first go-to answer. Well, anyway, so got a lot of pushback for that. And then they started saying, well... It's because of Trump's embargo on Cuba. And that, that created a, uh, a whole kerfuffle and an inability for them to successfully manage their despotic dictatorship. Now, it's interesting because you would think that if they felt strongly against the embargo that, that Trump had imposed after the, uh, the Obama administration had opened up the, the whole environment, you would think that they would just go back to opening it up. I mean, they could have opened it up uh, three months ago, right? Or January, as soon as, as soon as Biden became president or was sworn in, he could have opened up Cuba, just gone back to the old ways of Obama and say, you know, we, we really prefer to have an open relationship with, with Cuba. But no, they kept the embargo, so they have nobody but the civils to blame. But they are trying to blame Trump and trying to say, that the embargo is what is causing this frustration among the, the people of Cuba. Now, let me get this straight. So we're supposed to enable the Cuban communist dictatorship. Is that the, that's the goal? That's, that's our obligation now, right? Because communism is a horrific institution. It's a dictatorship. It's, it's, it robs people of freedom. But we have an obligation to kind of feed them right, and to give them the infrastructure that they so badly need that they can't develop themselves. That's, that's the underlying message that they would have you believe. It's a disgusting message, right? Uh, then what, what is really rich to me, Ari, and I, then I'd love to hear your thoughts about this, 
What's really rich to me is that the Biden administration says, hey, listen, uh, Cubans, don't think about even coming here for a second. Yeah, uh, basically, <laughs> and this is actually true of Haiti as well. We're, we're good. Uh, we're, we're, the, not good. we're not good, I'm telling you. We are, I can tell. We're good. Okay, um, it's, it's, it's echoey. Well, okay. would you just lean over, So anyway, um, oh, <laughs> okay. Um, the uh, Haiti, as well as being subject to the same policy, showing that the Biden administration has it in them to be very strict on border security when they wish. I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. These these people, who most likely will vote Republican when they wind up on dry land in America, they're not allowed in America. Only people who are most likely going to be career leftists can come to America. Well, yeah, you, go, you, you don't say. That's exactly right. Of course, it's, it's so brazenly obvious. Had it been that the Cubans were like the Guatemalans or the, uh, the Hondurans uh, or any uh, El Salvador, for example, most of whom seem to have more of a predilection for the Democrats or are more likely to vote Democrat, you can bet your sweet butt that they would be sending boats over there to re, to, to retrieve them, to right? retrieve and save these innocent Cubans from the brutal dictatorship of, of the Castro regime. And uh, we're doing what Americans need to do to save these people. But no, no, when you know that the Republicans then thank God for those shark-infested waters, right? Thank God for the inability of them to, to bring themselves over in anything more than rickety boats that will no doubt sink in very uh, tough waters. Uh, yeah, and and I, say that sarcastic, I say that sarcastically because uh, that's the way they view it, because that's basically, it's effectively a wall, right? Right, that's what they're doing. And, and if for some reason those rickety boats make it here, and if for some reason the shark teeth fail to turn those people into bloody ribbons of, you know, bait in the ocean, don't worry, we got guys with guns here to turn them away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a whole complete system that they've got there. They're, suddenly they're, they're Mr. Immigration Man. Uh, suddenly they're all about ICE. Suddenly they're all about uh, the integrity of the American border. Uh, it's very cute. Uh, when liberals try to uh, square circles, right? I mean, yeah, that's, and, and that's what they're doing. And it's the exact same thing that happened here in L.A. Garcetti is this feckless coward, right, when it comes to Black Lives Matter burning down stores on Melrose Avenue. But the second one guy goes wakeboarding off of Santa Monica Beach, he's there to arrest him. Yeah. Yeah, because all of a sudden they're law and order, right? Because right. That's, that's the one thing they know they're not going to get a lot of pushback from. Yeah, and, and, then, and then January 6th is another perfect analogy for all this. All these guys in government corruption, in, in Black Lives Matter antifathuggery, in Portland and Seattle, and all the corruption <laughs> goes on, and AG Barr and all the Department of Justice and the FBI and Chris Ray and everyone, I don't know what to do. Oh, Antifa's just an idea. Yeah, they're, they're, they burn some stuff down, but I don't know, right? Then a few... You know, mothers and grandmothers and people in Trump gear happen to stroll through the Capitol building on a certain day of the year, and their family members and their pets are being arrested for it and held in solitary <laughs> and their pets. for months on end. Okay, so um, going back to the whole Cuba part of it, though, it, it, what I guess the, uh, the unsung elephant in the room is that Cuba, wait for it, is a communist nation. Okay, that's a little-known secret. Communist nation. 
And are you sure they're not Democrat socialists? Okay, so it's a communist nation, and this is where the left wants us to race toward. They they love Cuba. They they love this socialist paradise, uh, especially Bernie Sanders and the like, right? And pro- perhaps Ocasio Cortez. This is what they're gunning for. So how can you say, you know, this explains everything in a way, because they want to make it about COVID. They want to make it about Trump's embargo. What they don't want to make it about is the brutal communist regime and the ideology and the doctrine of communism and the ineffectiveness of communism and the corruption of communism. That's the last thing they want to make it about, because that's what the left wants. So instead, they make it about everything else. You see how it works? This is the great diversion that the left wants to throw at you. Let's always remember that whatever they, they are trying to, uh, to, to argue as a reason, they want to make sure that they control the narrative. And the narrative here is that the people of Cuba are upset because they don't have enough medical supplies. And why do they have not enough medical supplies? It's because of that damn Trump. Okay? Bad orange man. Orange man bad. So that's what you can expect. But the beauty of this is that the Cuban people themselves are not complying with the narrative that the left wants to push. What the the Cubans themselves, the, the ones who are at least on the streets, they're waving American flags. For some crazy reason, I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's a working theory, so just kind of indulge me here. My theory is that the Cuban people on the street, they like America. And they especially like the notion that America is about liberty. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Dude, 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 look at the evidence. They had American flags. They're just racist. You're probably right. You're probably right. They just don't like NBA basketball. (laughs) That's true. Uh, And they were doing it. Oh, you know what they were doing? Those American, because those are around and they needed it because it was a hot day and they needed to kind of wave and acted like a fan. Yeah, shaded fan. It just happened to be American flags, which are banned in in communist Cuba, but but that's okay. The point is, of course, that they they love America and they're, they're. shouting that they love America. They're not complaining that there's an embargo. They're not complaining any whatsoever about the COVID thing. But look how Jen Psaki and the Biden Asterix administration, generally speaking, uh, parlays this. That's about something else other than the, the brutal dictatorship that Cuba is uh, and the liberty squelching uh, machine that it is. That's, yeah. that's what they're doing. Yeah, you know, it's also just so tragic about how the, the rhymes and themes of history... Um, the uh, if you remember when the Obama administration took office, the country of Iran uprised in the same way against its government. And remember how the Obama administration, being on the side of the Iranian regime, allowed that to not uh, take hold. It allowed the the Obama or the Iranian regime to stay in power and continue to do its mischief for this to this day, and then rewarded it with the billions of dollars in in cash in the nuclear deal. So, of course, the the Biden administration will make the same terrible yeah. mistake and cause the people of that country who are seeking liberty and and a civil society to not have it for that much longer. 
Yeah. What what this reminds me of, because it's always a, a diversion, right? The the notion that they want you to think a certain way. This is the this is the reason why this is happening, and uh, you, the feckless and fairly moronic uh, average American, you will just drink it all up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's what the, you know. COVID is the reason why they're out there. The lack of supplies because of the embargo. That's the reason why they're out there. Um, don't think for a moment that's about communism versus uh, no, democracy. No, they're agitating for their shot at the J and J vaccine. That's <laughs> what it is. Yes, exactly right. So, what does this remind me of? Instantly, it reminds me of Benghazi. Okay. Now, what do I mean by that? On September 11 of 2012, they attacked the consulate in Benghazi. And the parlaying points of the Obama administration at the time was that it was from, because they were really angry about a video that an American uh, anti, uh, you know, anti-Muslim, Islamophobic uh, bastard uh, man uh, had posted. Yeah, a guy from, um, I think, Cerritos, who, by yeah. the way, is probably still in jail. Right. So he suddenly was uh, arrested for this, and, and then also that was the reason for this uh, terrible Benghazi thing. And we're all supposed to believe this. And not only that, but, but Clinton is speaking to one of the, um, uh, the widows of one of the victims who was killed in the Benghazi uh, attacks and says, don't you worry, we're going to find out who did this video and to put him behind bars. And the woman is like looking at her saying, what are you talking about? This is about something far greater. You think this is the reason why? Anyway, uh, it was a great diversion, just like we're seeing right now. They, they really think that you'll believe it. And, they, and then they started believing it themselves, right? Even the New York Times put on a, a kind of a, a TikTok of what happened that horrible day and evening of uh, September 11, 2012, and uh, played it all out, and then they also included the narrative of the video, that that was a, a part of it. It wasn't. It was a total lie. It had absolutely, and I think it's important for people to understand this. The, the involvement of the video in the Benghazi attack was somewhere between not at all and absolutely not at all, are you effing kidding me, you're <laughs> even bringing that up. Yes. Well, that's, that's exactly right. So they, they played that game before. And now they're playing again with this Cuba thing. And th- those are not the only two situations, by the way. I mean, even, even the COVID uh, situation, the way we responded to that, uh, the things they wanted us to believe, that the reason why uh, this virus came out is because of a bat, right? Uh, and the pangolin animal. Uh, when we, we all kind of, all the, all the uh, data points were pointing to a lab leak, at the best. And to me, the only question is whether it was intentional or non-intentional. Yeah, and, and by the way, let's just get one thing straight because it's it's gotten so amazing what we found out about this, is even us, and I, I want to be the first to apologize to the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese government for this reason. I, I sense some sarcasm coming. No, I mean, this is actually not sarcastic. We found out that this isn't even a Chinese biological weapon. If it was, that would actually be a better narrative. No, this is Anthony Fauci's virus. This is Bill Gates's virus. This was done with Gates's money, Fauci's authorization, and a guy named Peter Dazek, who was working with Fauci, his work. 
So this is an American virus that they did in a Chinese lab. Okay, all right, okay. In order to do all the stuff they're doing to us these days. Okay, so the point is, however, is that whatever it is... So I'm saying the layers of lies that you see in the Cuban situation, in the Benghazi situation, in the COVID situation are so... I mean, the the layers of, of fecal matter that you're fed to divert you from the actual base, very simple truths is astounding. Well, we're just showing, I, I don't even want to get into the uh, fecal matter conspiracy talk that like you're, you're talking about it. We don't even need to get into the weeds. We are seeing ample evidence in real time of how they tried to divert. Jen Psaki and the Biden asterisk administration are uh, tried right away to say this is about COVID or uh, this is at best about the embargo from the Trump administration, uh, when clearly it, it was had nothing to do with either of those things. And it's all about liberty and it's about uh, being suppressed and everything else. Why, why didn't they even entertain the idea that possibly it's because the regime is so brutal and suppresses their freedoms? Isn't that, uh, you know, a much better explanation? So... Uh, but but they right away wanted to oust that theory, and they had a mission for that reason. That they had an agenda going on, and I think it was pretty transparent. Right. So wait, hold on, hold on. So so it's it's all about agenda for them, and the same thing was true for the Benghazi thing. Same thing is true about the 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 oh, bat and the the, the, right. the pangolin theory instead of the lab theory, which was clearly more obvious to everyone. Right. Same uh, so it's true of North Korea and Iran and, and everything. And and one would say. These are Democrats. They're generally more feckless on foreign policy. You'd think that they'd want to reduce the, if you will, viral load of foreign policy hotspot issues around the world. Here's a perfect opportunity to essentially take Cuba off the table as far as a problem. And instead of even helping it or let alone forget helping okay. it. Okay. So, yeah, so, so your, your, point, your point is, 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 a, is a good point. All right. And now the next point about all this is, well... It's, I guess it's very related, Ari, when I think about it. It's the whole voter suppression idea and this uh, election integrity reform that you're seeing uh, predominantly from Georgia and uh, now in other states as well. Um, Texas is trying to do it as well. This is also a great diversion. Think about it, right? They, they want you to assume that anybody who is trying to advance election integrity laws, basically meaning, like, show up with your friggin' ID, would you? And also prove that you live where you say that you live. And that could be with an electric, uh, you know, electric utility bill or anything like that. But they don't, you know, that they, that is too much for for the for the left. And so they call it, uh, you know, Jim Crow laws. This is worse than uh, slavery. This is, I mean, it, it's the weirdest thing. And they say it with absolutely zero evidence. There's not a single case brought by anybody saying that they would have voted but for this ID requirement. It's an assumption that they've made. And, and worse than that, it's a racist assumption because they, they're assuming and they're saying that they're assuming that it affects blacks predominantly. So, okay, so you're saying that blacks are somehow incapable of getting themselves an ID, a simple ID, even though it's government issued uh, and it's offered for free. And everyone, every one of the so-called obstacles that they threaten or that they claim exists to get this idea because it's so hard to get an ID, you see. Um, they try to surmount those obstacles. Okay, just come to this uh, particular area. We'll, dro- we'll drop it by your apartment if you like. Uh, nope, it's still, it's still worse than Jim Crow. 
Yeah, how bad it's the equivalent of a poll tax. Right. How, how bad must this education system that they they so you know uh, laud and vaunt be if if uh, black uh, well, citizens? Oh, he, he, okay, that was a suppressed citizens, sneeze there. Black citizens coming out of um, you know these public schools find it incapable in of operating a motor vehicle legally or acquiring an ID. I mean, isn't that an indictment of their own systems? Of course, yeah. yeah it's it, you know th these uh, you know black motorists are uh, complaining that they're being you know stopped because merely because they're black. Uh, putting aside all the you know the ripple effects associated with that, um, but wait a minute, they got an ID to get that. I thought it was so hard for blacks to get an ID. How, how could they possibly be driving and be put in a position where they're so vulnerable to the to the uh, evil white cop, the EWC? Uh, you know, and, and but but they had to get this uh, ID, which we thought was so hard for them to get. Anyway, you know, I'm being sarcastic here, and it's it, it's. This, they live in separate worlds. It's, it's so funny. It's, um, on the one hand, they recognize that blacks uh, are every much of, of a part of society correctly. Uh, they just don't like how they're being treated in the society. On the other hand, they're saying that they, they live in this uh, invisible world where they, they can't do the simplest things. They can't function in society in the simplest ways that uh, anybody else can. Uh, such as, uh, I don't know, uh, buying a, uh, a Snapple from a 7-Eleven. I mean, I mean is, is that hard too? I mean, why, why not? If it's hard to get an ID, then wouldn't it be equally hard to get a Snapple from a 7-Eleven store? And maybe it's hard for them to, um, to uh, use a credit card. Right. Maybe it's hard for them to to use a, a government issued um, EB, what are the, the, the debit cards, EBT right? Cards. Uh, that, that seems hard to me. I mean... I, you know, I don't know, but somehow only getting an ID is the most difficult thing in the world. They, and they don't explain why it's difficult at all. Anyway, I'm not even going to go there, Ari. I simply want to say that this is another example of how they create this diversionary narrative where they, are, they are tell you that you are to believe the narrative as we present it to you. Yeah, but, and they expect you to get it. Hold, hold on. So... so now, because this relates now to what's happening in Texas. So Texas wants to create this new uh, law to the effect of um, yeah, election integrity. Yeah, their voter integrity Yeah, so, so including the ideas yeah. and, and uh, possibly also showing that you have proof of residence. Right, mostly what, what so people understand is just like Georgia, they want to enforce a voter ID law for absentee ballots. Yes. You, know, you have to prove who you are to receive the less secure by mail ballot. Right. Which is, you okay. know. So, so what does the what does the Democrat side of the state assembly do there? Uh, they decide that they are going to leave, actually flee from, leave actually flee from Texas. Uh, they get a private jet that they charter, not wearing masks, by the way. Interesting, interesting. Uh, but that's another story altogether. They 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 leave and they take uh, pictures of themselves proudly leaving, and they proclaim that they're doing this in order to prevent passage of the bill, which would uh, otherwise, you know, strengthen the election integrity uh, in Texas. Yeah, what and they're so, doing, what needs, I think you need to make clear, is they're, they're fleeing to deny the Texas legislator the minimum quorum to correct. Uh, enact the law legally. That, that's right. So they, go, they fly to Washington, D.C., where they hold some sort of press conference, 
they are lauded for their courage uh, for doing so, and then they start singing, we shall overcome, we shall overcome in the yeah, most pathetic way, very off-key. It's, it's very pathetic to watch the whole thing. You, you actually feel embarrassed for them in the right. process. Remember and then, wait, uh, hold on. So, so uh, the whole issue there is about that they, that they want to equate this to the KKK, to Jim Crow, and everything else, because they say so. Anything that you don't agree with, it's, it's, it means that you're a member of the KKK. You're for slavery at the end of the day. Uh, at the very least, you're for the poll tax. You're, you're for making it very difficult for blacks to vote because the last, last thing you want is for people uh, that might vote Democrat to vote Democrat. Yeah, that's, that's, and you're finding ways to do so. Um, look, they, and now the good news is that the Texas, um, I forget the AG maybe, said, look, we're going to, we, we just passed a bill to arrest the Democrats who have uh, fled Texas. Uh, as soon as they come back on Texas uh, soil, you're under arrest. You're done. And, uh, you know, I applaud that. This is their job. And, and they can't expect to get paid for not showing up to work. Right. But they're not going to be arrested and put in the po pokey. They're going to be arrested and brought back to the chamber, held there so the quorum is established and the vote is taken. The, the other interesting thing that I, I think bears uh, worth mentioning is, if you remember your Saturday Night Live, when Tonto and Frankenstein were singing, that's what their version of We Shall Overcome <laughs> sounded like. Okay. All right. That's very good. Uh, so that's what you're seeing. You're seeing these forced narratives upon the American public. Some of them take. Some of them, some of them don't take. Eventually, they're all exposed, right? But it takes a while for them to be exposed, whether that's Benghazi, whether that's uh, the, um, the ID narrative that we just talked about, or whether it's um, the Cuban narrative that we just talked yeah, about. Yeah, or the virus origins. I mean, one thing that... The virus, oh, 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 the virus origins or... Uh, I mean, you name it, uh, what, what happened in, uh, I said about Benghazi, of course, but also um, uh, about the, uh, the Arab Spring, generally speaking. And or the impeachment hoax. The impeachment thing. hoax and, uh, and, and what happened on January 6th, that, that, that it's an insurrection and this is the way we want you to think about it, right? So they are telling you how to think about it. And what I love about it is this, is the, this forces critical thinking to say, okay, well, they say X, but is it really X? You know, do we just buy that hook, line, and sinker? Do we, do we just adopt what somebody tells us to adopt? Yeah, so, and also look at January 6th. One of the results of January 6th is Republicans who stood up for the president in the chamber that day are being deprived of donations. Well, and being told that that's a subversion of democracy. Well, what about these Texas Democrats? What about the Wisconsin Democrats from 2011 who did the same thing when Scott Walker came to office and tried to do uh, union uh, pension reform? You know what I mean? The, the actual subversions of democracy when they happen go completely unpunished as long as the Democrats do it. Yeah. Well, we have, we have that Ukrainian story, I mean, with, and Hunter Biden, of course, as well. There's, there's a lot of uh, bad crap going on. And with the Russian collusion thing, of course, that's the narrative there, too. Yeah, there's also, too there are too many examples of that. Right. Uh, one I, more point I want to make real quick is it, it, you're right. It does get exposed, but look how long it takes. The Fauci emails came out like three weeks ago. They were damning. They showed everything. But Fauci is still on TV yeah. being taken seriously. Oh, yeah, and not only that, uh, but um, the, um, what's his name? Uh, the, the, Cuomo. Cuomo, I mean, just, 
I don't know, a couple months ago, uh, he was going down for the count. Uh, he had just killed a thousand people. I mean, it was found out that he killed at least a thousand people as a result of of forcing them into nursing homes and spreading the COVID virus, uh, terribly so. And then, of course, the sexual harassment claims that uh, followed very very quickly after that because that was, in and of itself, it was a diversion. And yet, somehow, Andrew Cuomo still lives, as it were. Uh, and I think he has no right to have a, a political life anymore. That's, not, that's what I political mean. Political career. Political career. I mean, he, he should be done. He should be toast. His political career should end, end, end. You know, he, he can go ahead and retire. I don't care, but I want him out uh, as a governor. And he should be out as a governor. But, but that's an exact... So what I was saying before was about sometimes things get revealed really quickly, but they, they always try. And the good example of that in the other extreme is the Cuban revolt, right? This, God, God willing that this continues on and eventually topples the Cuban regime. Um, we can only hope. But for now, um, you can see that Jen Psaki and the Biden Asterix administration, they, they were really pushing this. And they got pushed back so quickly on this that they eventually had to walk that back, right? So they tried. Sometimes they, they try and it lasts for a long time, like what happened with the, the COVID virus situation, right? Uh, or what happened with Benghazi, um, what happened with the Russian collusion thing. God knows that it lasted for three years, right? So, but, but sometimes it's, it's, it's so preposterous, so uh, in the face wrong that they have to walk it back. They cannot play this game. But it's interesting to me, Ari, how uh, so many on the left are willing, it's this uh, willing suspension of disbelief. We had, we had a podcast about this, you know, not so long ago, where it really is like the, the, the left wants to believe what they're seeing on the screen is real, right? They go to Star Wars, and they see this little, uh, little man um, who has a lightsaber, and they call him Yoda, and he uses the force, and things move back and forth, and they believe it. As it were, it's a willing suspension of disbelief. Um, they believe the fact that there's all these, you know, planets with full of life in them. They all have the same gravity, and they all apparently have breathable oxygen, and everything is perfect in each of these planets. Uh, but you know, it's a willing suspension of disbelief. It's what makes the the movies fun, right? Yeah. But but they and, believe. And engine noise travels through space. Right. That's true. Um, and but but they want to apply this to life as well, actual life. They want to believe what the government says to them. They, they want to believe that socialism works, right? So they, they, they show that capitalism is evil, or they, so they profess to show it. Uh, they want to show that uh, America was made uh, solely for the purposes of slavery. It was, it's a slavery country, as it were, uh, designed on slavery, designed on the backs of slavery, and so forth. Uh, and that's the narrative they want to believe. They, they are in the theater, as it were, watching the movie as the left is playing it for them, and they're nodding their heads right along, notwithstanding all the facts that tell them that they are just plain wrong. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing, the willing suspension of disbelief. And here's a couple more points that kind of elucidate what we're talking about, where they, it's a great diversion, and they want you to buy a certain narrative, and they just float these things out. And most of the time, they simply pick it up, and they just say, yeah, this, that, that's, that works for me. Uh, for example, the uh, mostly peaceful protests, right? This was a narrative they, they came out with to suggest that 
whatever you saw happening in the summer of 2020 with all the riots and such like that, that those were mostly peaceful protests. Never mind what the, the videos told you. Your, you know, your lying eyes were, were just not, you know, honest with you. In fact, it was very peaceful. And all that smashing and looting, well, that, that was just, you know, very minor. Yeah, and all that anti-Semitism was equality. Yes, you know, that's exactly right. Equality. It, it was all about reparations at the end of the day. So that's another narrative. But then this, this comment, and it's more recent, um, Kamala Harris says that rural voters uh, can't understand what they're doing and uh, they're just... Can't go to Kinko's. Yeah, they can't go to their printers and such like that. So... To photograph uh, their photo ID, their um, photo IDs to send into the voter rolls to get their paper ballots. Right, that's how hard it is. Yes, you see. So, okay, all right. Where do I begin with this? The well, well, you uh, should oh, begin and end with the basic. Okay, she's wait. an idiot. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, just so just he, he's. He's very emotional about these things. Well, and she that's, is an idiot. And that's part of the reason why we love him so much. Moron. Dummy. <laughs> she is a dummy. Imbecile. I, okay, that's enough. That is enough. Hard. <laughs> so, um, and, but she does have that delightful laugh, so you got <laughs> to remember that. Anyway, the point is that she says this comment that these rural voters are just incapable of doing some basic things, just like we talked about with the printer. But I don't get it. I, doesn't this inure to the benefit? Does, does she really want to, to help these rural voters? Because, you know, they're likely to be conservative. You know, if, you're, if you were to believe that all people in Oklahoma, uh, which, you know, is the height of rural uh, living, right? Well, then, then aren't you giving more credence to the Republican vote? I, I don't know. I don't know if you want to do that. Uh, Kamala, it's, uh, you know, so, so she's obviously focusing on, she wants to focus on black, uh, the black population, uh, which again, it's, it's just racist. That is, again, the narrative that we've been talking about. But to say this comment and, and be caught saying it, um, I guess it's not surprising. She really is not a bright person. It's as simple as that. I, I've said this in my Sunday show before. People get so offended when you say that somebody is uh, not bright or even stupid. Uh, why? I mean, there is such a thing as a person being stupid. We, we know this, right? If somebody can be very bright, then by definition, it must mean that there are people that are not bright, that are stupid. Probably a lot of them. Yeah, a lot. And I, I dare say that, you know, especially when the Democrats uh, look at it, they, they think that most Americans are stupid. So they, they insult us all the time. But when we say that Kamala Harris is really a stupid person, she is stupid. Um, and combine that with uh, she's a, uh, what do you call it, a social climber and a political climber and, and a lot of other more vulgar words I could use. Or? Well, okay. There you go. Uh, I, I prefer the word prostitute. I think she was a prostitute. How about that? Okay? That just sounds too high class. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, they do call her Madame Vice President after all. You know, you got to remember that. Hey. Uh, so anyway, the point is that she says this. And uh, she, if... If somebody could be, here's my point on the stupid thing, right? If somebody can be tall, we recognize this person is tall, right? We recognize that person is short. This person can be too skinny or this person can be, he has a weight problem. Yeah, maybe. You certainly wouldn't call him skinny. Uh, and this person, uh, I don't know, uh, is handsome. Uh, this person is uh, not handsome. This person is gorgeous. Well, you get the idea, right? This person is really fast. That person's slow. There's too many examples of this. Why is it that somebody cannot be stupid. It just, 
we have such a person in Kamala Harris. She's stupid. Okay, we have a stupid person occupying the office of the vice presidency of the United States, who might very well be the president of the United States. And by the way, uh, just side note, the guy with dementia who right now is considered by some in the media to be president of the United States was no brain trust before his brain turned to caca. <laughs> well, I, I, he was I, pretty stupid before he went senile. Well, he was wrong on everything before he actually became uh, president, and and wrong now on everything that he's doing. So he he's consistent. And that's important these days yeah. uh, in this wackaday world of ours. So here's another thing, another narrative that's being played out: um, inflation. I've been saying for quite a while that you are going to see massive inflation as a result of these trillions of dollars that have been infused into the economy. Uh, for good reasons and bad, right? Um, but, you know, that there's a price to be paid. You can't just print trillions of dollars and then expect to have no consequence to the uh, price of gas, the price of uh, bologna, the price of staples, the, the price of tissues, the price of uh, your iPhones. It's going to increase the price of everything. It's a simple supply and demand situation. It, it, that's the way it works, folks. That's it. Can I ask you a quick question about it? Is it, uh, because you know you you'd know this more than I. Is it, it, printing money, distributing money, getting money into an economy is one end of the inflation scales. Is it really accelerating? Much worse, though, because at the same time, goods and services are becoming rarer in the marketplace. For those, do- in other words, those. More and more dollars are chasing fewer and fewer goods and services. That's right. It is a supply and demand. So in other words, it's a perfect storm, to use uh, the the famous reference to the hurricane. It's a perfect storm in the sense that not only do we have trillions of dollars infused, but the reason why the trillions of dollars was infused was to help lubricate the economy, as it were, to help people from their pain uh, because they couldn't get supply, Right. Uh, you know, the trucks were not rolling, the, the ships were not rolling, there was too many restrictions COVID-wise. So, for example, I bought a bike for my son. Uh, it's a special, really great bike. I bought it back in early November of 2020. It is now July 2021, and I still don't have this bike. And I know where it is. It's in the harbor in L.A. And I have pictures of the boats that are you know, holding all these bikes and other supplies, but they can't get it out because there's not enough people with the COVID protocols and otherwise to really get it out. Now it's slowly tricking in, but but there's so much demand from from a previous time. So it's a, this big bottleneck that's made it very difficult. As a consequence, people are saying, "I'll pay more for this bike if you get it for me now, right? Somehow." Uh, so the demand is so pent up. Uh, and this is also plastic cars, by the way. You, it's very hard to get a new car today. You can probably buy somebody's old car, no problem. But there's a market even for that, right? So, and, and because there's, nobody's able to buy new cars, they're willing to buy older cars, and people are willing to pay a premium for that. So the answer to your question is yes, it's, uh, it's, it's only amplifying the problem. But the trillions of dollars that are in the system um, are simply, if you, it, are simply, there's, so many dollars out there. It's available. Less worth, each dollar is worth less. less. Yes, exactly right. Let, let, let me make it very simple. Let's say that there was only $1,000 in the entire American currency uh, among the, what, uh, 330 million people that we have, okay? 
suddenly a penny would be worth a lot. Yeah, okay? it would be worth the equivalent of thousands of a thousand dollars. dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in today's money, uh, in our actual money today, a penny would be totally powerful, right? Because there's only so much going around. Now, conversely, if you had not just trillions of dollars, but uh, a qu- quadrillion. Uh, dollars out there, suddenly uh, a, a penny would be, I mean, it, it would be an annoyance, if anything, and still is an annoyance, right? But even $100 would feel like a penny right now. So it's just, it's, it, and the reason why it's not happening immediately is because it takes time for the, the cash to actually trickle into the economy. Yeah, and also... Wait, wait, hold, hold on. So, yeah. so let me just finish up the thought there. So it takes time, and, but, but now we actually are seeing it. The inflation is happening. We are now at 5.4% greater than we were last June. Okay, I mean, June to June, 5.4% growth in inflation. That is a huge amount. We were hoping at best to keep it at 2%, um, but with everything else, we have more than twice that amount, almost three times that amount. and it's going to get worse. Yeah, and now, it has almost like a slingshot effect. You're a famous vegan, right? But I'm a meat eater. Right. The price of beef is up about 30%. So steaks that oh, I would buy at Costco, very good steaks, that were $11 a pound the day Trump left office are now $20 a pound. Yep, you were right. And that, mean, that is a supply. When you, when you factor in the labor shortage, the... the, the uh, derivations of currency value, the transportation costs, the processing costs, the packaging costs, to put it onto the shelf, it's an enormous actual real-life experience. We're now learning about supply chain economics, Um, and I said this a long time ago. When COVID started hitting, I said, you're going to start hearing a lot of these phrases and how how smoothly the economy has to work in order to get uh, that stapler on your desk, uh, to get the hamburger into your restaurant and so forth. Okay. Uh, but the point of this is that the narrative is, and even the inflation narrative, watch how the Fed, the Fed basically controls the interest rates, right? They, they are saying this is what we're willing, the government is willing to uh, charge for the purchase of money. So for every dollar, uh, we are going to charge you 2% or less than 2%. They want money to be easy to purchase. That's It's called Between purchase money. Between banks, you're talking Between about. banks. Yeah. And that allows the banks, in turn, to offer a very low interest rate to its customers, okay? So for, for financing or refinancing, that's the way it works. And uh, they want to keep it down because they want to keep the momentum of the economy going because, after all, supply chain is, is a big problem here. Now, uh, what they'll tell you, and this is the big lie, this is the big narrative here, they're telling you that this is just a temporary uh, uh, disruption, this inflation is, is temporary because of the supply chain issues. Yeah, it's temporary. Five-year plan. Yeah, five-year plan, yes, yeah. to go. Uh, and we'll all be back to a normal 2% growth in inflation, which is healthy, actually. Yeah, after a great reset, 2050. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Basically, that's what we're being told. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, of course, there, there's no way that they could say this with a straight face. In the same way, they couldn't tell us that with a straight face that the, the Cuban, uh, I'd like to say it's a revolution, and we'll see what turns out, but the, the Cuban uprising, shall we say, today is somehow the result of COVID and yeah. the lack of supplies and lack of medicine. Yeah. That's BS. And I'm telling you that this, this notion that this inflation thing is just a temporary uh, setback, 
they are BSing you. This yeah. is going Mr. to be a massive. There, you should have said the Cuban mostly peaceful protests <laughs> yeah, against yeah. Donald Trump's COVID policy. <laughs> I think so. Right. Well, that's very funny. All right. So another thing, uh, going back to COVID a little bit, uh, and this, I'll, I'll leave it with this, is the vaccine narrative, right? So the vaccine narrative essentially says uh, this vaccine is wonderful. It's a vaccine in the first place. It's not a vaccine. Yeah, everyone uh, needs it. Not not everyone should take it. Right. Everyone needs it or else. And although it's your choice to take it, take it or else. Right. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, and you are a responsible citizen. And if you don't take it, you're 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 you're, 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 you're a conspiracist and so forth. And a murderer. Uh, and 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 it has no negative repercussions at all. It's very safe, don't you know? Right. Uh, and this this. This from the very same people who were terrified of a virus that had a 99.8% survival rate, okay? 99.8% survival rate, they were terrified of that, and they said we can't be you know, too safe, right? But when it comes to the vaccine, which has a much higher uh, uh, con- consequence rate, shall yeah. we say, problem rate, some of it leading to deaths, well, they, you know, you gotta you gotta take the bad with the good, buddy. Right. I've been telling <laughs> I mean, it's like hyster- it's hysterical the way they parlay this. They completely the opposite of the better safe than sorry approach that they took with the virus itself. Now with the vaccine is, you know, we all gotta take, you know, right. life has its risks. Yeah, and, and <laughs> all of a sudden. Barack, let's go back in the way back machine. Look how the, their attitude towards guns and Sandy Hook. Uh, the Barack Obama standard of if one child fill in the blank. If just one child doesn't have food, let's go to socialism to give him food. If one child go, doesn't have the job he doesn't like, we have to change everything. If one child dies, we always said, with, but what about abortion? If one child dies, we have to fundamentally change our lifestyle here. Whatever happened to the, but, but the vaccine killed one child. Right. In fact, it killed, seems like, thousands of children. Well, not only that, but the, it turns out that in the past month alone, that there have been more people who died as a result of taking the vaccine worldwide, that is, than uh, COVID, uh, of actually COVID um, dying from, from COVID. So one would say this is an example of the cure being worse than the disease, right? I mean, literally, the cure being worse than disease. So that is the problem. And that's the narrative, however, that they've successfully managed to push. Uh, and people look at you for not taking the vaccine. I'm not going to take the vaccine for the time being, at least, until I'm utterly uh, convinced that it's not just safe for me, but for my children as well. Yeah, and by the way, just the way viruses work, by that time, COVID will be like fetch, not a thing anymore. Yeah. Right? Viruses have two-year wave windows. Mm -hmm. By the time that vaccine is longitudinally absolutely proven to be safe beyond all doubt. There will be no COVID. Yeah, well, so, they, they want to make it seem as if it's, you. they want to make it seem like it's going to be smallpox, and if you have to have a smallpox vaccine, then you should have this COVID vaccine as well. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I do know one thing, it's not a vaccine, and it's something else about it, and there are some consequences to this vaccine that I think are far greater than the actual vaccines uh, for smallpox and polio and otherwise. So I, I'm not so comfortable with it. I'm, I don't want to digress. The point is about narratives, right? right? The narrative, we're the narrative that we're being told yeah. about this vaccine is one that is very similar to the narrative that you're being told about Benghazi, about uh, the Cuban revolt, about inflation, about uh, voter ID, and so forth. You have to be very, very 
cynical. And being cynical is a form of critical thinking. You have to do it. And these, what you're seeing are a number of diversionary uh, narratives, and they are hoping that you will buy it and that you will just ingest it and then uh, proselytize it to the rest of the population. Don't do any of those things. Think for yourself. Ask yourself, and I'm not, I'm not discouraging you from taking the, the vaccine. I am telling you, however, to think about the facts associated with the vaccine. Do your own homework and figure it out because I, I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable with anything that the government is telling me these days. I'm very, very circumspect because when you lie once, it means that there are a whole bunch of lies uh, lying right behind you. Didn't Barack okay? Lurie always said liars always lies? Yes, it was. Uh, that's, that's what I always say. Liars always lie. Cheaters always cheat. People act consistently, consistently and governments act consistently. And this uh, party, the Democrat Party in particular, has, uh, has not changed its tune uh, for its entire lifespan ever since it was first formed in the 1800s. All right, folks, thanks for listening. This is God. This is God. This is Barack Larry signing off saying God bless. Be safe. And we will talk with you next week.